<laughs> Hi, everybody. Yes. Welcome to the Robcast or the Bob and Kitty cast. <laughs> <laughs> Look who's back, back again. Oh, I had to do it. That Eminem song has been playing. It's played a fair bit on stereo here in the kitchen. And yeah, that's you... because the playlist that Trace made me has that on it. Mm -hmm. Because Kristen Bell loves rap. Did you know that right off the bat? Well, for my birthday this year, which happened during the CV19 time, I asked my kids to each make me a playlist because I love it. The, the music they pick so expresses their personalities. Yes. And I actually like all three of their, their choices or their genres or whatever you would call it, their unique patterns of music likes i don't like every single song yeah but you love but i love the, it you love the mumble rap i do you love you some gonna some young thug <laughs> some dave i have to admit i do oh yes. my word so so eminem was on that mix absolutely a little old school now this is uh the robcast episode 283 and uh we got all kinds of ground to cover here we should start by telling about the other night we were out walking the dog. Right. Our nightly dog walk. Yeah, we decided that this event inspired this podcast. <laughs> yes. yes. So we were out walking the dog. Our usual, right, kind of right before the sun goes down. And it's probably 80 degrees still. It's a hot week. It, yeah, it was hot. And a car drives by. It comes from behind us to our left. Uh, a white, relatively new Prius, windows down. Right. But before we even saw the yeah, car... Yeah, I was going to say, we could hear it a block earlier. We heard somebody blasting Christmas carols. We were like... <laughs> like, hark the herald angels, say, <laughs> angels sing. I almost thought it was like a, a funky like ice cream truck. It was so loud. <laughs> right. So right. we're like, what is that? And we right. turn around, and it's a white Prius with all four windows down. Yeah. Guy in the front seat. Young fellow in the front seat. Right. Ha was recently wearing a mask. Mask because was it's like now pulled down. Down around his neck, not around his mouth. So that he can belt as loud as he can out the Christmas carols with the music he's blasting. Just singing like his life depended on it, going, call back to the ice cream truck, going about the speed of an ice cream truck. Right, quite slowly. And he comes up to the stop sign, comes to a really slow, gradual stop, sits there for way too long, there's no other cars coming, and then just inches his way through the intersection and keeps driving. It just... Right. So you can was hear he, him a block. He's passed us by a block. You can still hear him. So you're wondering, like, is he filming this? Is he like, <laughs> is he doing this for himself? Is he doing this for us? Like, is he doing this for whoever happens to be walking down the street? But we had this overwhelming sense of like, oh, my word, that experience sums up how a lot of us are feeling. I... Just barely hanging on. <laughs> Just barely hanging on, on the edge of like 
functioning and just there are no rules. <laughs> what is going on uh, here? Because there, um, there were two families, um, Jewish families on the corner, kitty corner from oh, us you're right. as he drove by. And they were, it was, I want to say it was a Shabbat. Eve. It might have been Friday, yeah. And the two families were doing like a social distance sort of thing in the front lawn with the talit and the yarmulkes and, and full sort of Shabbat evening outfits. And as the guy drove by, they all just stopped and just watched and smiled. Like there was just a general acknowledgement that this young fella in the white Prius was summing up a feeling of um, disequilibrium and surreal sort of like, I remember you just said, well, that guy just, that's just pretty much how we all feel, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was this feeling like everything's upside down. And how do how do you express that? Like, what do you do with all those feelings of everything's because, upside down? Because it wasn't triumph. Well, I mean, who knows? But the way that we, as we were like, as he passed by, I remember you and I talking about it as he got out of earshot. It wasn't like triumphant. It wasn't like party. It wasn't sad. What made I us felt laugh like it was self-expression. Was it, it was just like, I am going to sing the weirdness. Right, I'm just going this to particular moment. do exactly what I feel like doing right now. <laughs> oh, your commentary was just the best. So you see, friends, why we are starting this episode with this story, because you're even wondering what the point of the story is. You're wondering what we're trying to say with this story. Oh, I'm not. Then we did our job. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe me. You have something to say. No, no, no. I'm like, I think it's, I mean, you may be saying people are wondering why we're telling this story, but I think it makes perfect sense <laughs> because it's how, it's how I've felt during this time yeah. on a regular basis. Like, yeah. how do you make sense of what's happening? Like, there were all these things in our lives that we thought we could count on. And yeah. it turns out things are not what we thought they were. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, I'm saying that like applying to so many things that's, that are happening during this time. Right. Um, it's a time of upheaval. It's a time of rethinking. It's a time of um, like our normal ways of living, um, they're not available to us right now. Like the way that we deal with things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know like for me, um, I can feel very claustrophobic when I feel like my ability to go places is cut off. It makes me feel like really closed in and like mm -hmm. I might self combust. Um, and I'm just realizing how much I counted on a certain way of being, a certain way of living. Um, I think we've talked about a number of times, like it's brought up this question of what makes a life. Right, right. Like, right. because we used to think 
a life was about being out there, about interacting with people, doing things, making things. Like there are so many things we've internalized about what makes a life. And when you have all sorts of things taken away, it just makes that question come up. Like, what is going on here? What actually does make a life? And then you think about it, all of the things, it isn't that you would go do those nine things on a Saturday afternoon, on a Tuesday evening or whatever. It's that you could. Even the idea of options. And even right now you think we could, nope, that's closed. Nope, that's closed. Nope, that's not available. Just what it does to the psyche to in the old world that we came from, there was a whole world of options that aren't there in many ways. Just that alone for the psyche is a very strange, surreal experience. Right. So also things being upside down can really bring up a lot of fear and anxiety for people. Um, and then that kind of can vacillate with despair and depression. So as we've talked with people, um, this seems to be like a really normal pattern of like fear and anxiety, um, loss, grief, sadness, sometimes veering into depression and despair. Like there seems to be like these waves of emotion that we flow through and sometimes all on the same day. Absolutely. So we should start with just a, just a blanket, of course. Right. Of course you're fill in the blank, feeling, fill in the blank. Feeling upside down. Of course you're having a freak out, whatever your freak out looks like. Um, Claustrophobic, anxious. Anger. Uh, yeah. Or that lurching, uh, um, that when you can't find your feet, that lurching feeling. Is everything opening up? Nope, it's not opening up. Oh, they flattened the curve. Oh, the curve is going the opposite direction from flattening. Oh, um, sports are starting up again. Oh, a bunch of other things aren't. Right. And we if can the travel this summer. We can't travel this summer. School is going to be on in the fall like normal. School isn't going to be on. Like all of the ways in which what's next week, what's in two months, what's in the fall, um, that lurching feeling of even the way we think about time, any way that you're feeling that would just give you a giant, of course. Yeah, and one of the ways that we deal with anxiety or fears that come up is we try to gain control over what we can gain control over. Uh, and so for somebody who likes to plan for the future, it's like impossible right now. How do you plan for the future? We don't yeah. even know what will be open in two months. We don't know if kids will be going back to school in the fall. Like for people who like to have a plan, and that gives them a sense of like grounding and stability, that's not available right now. September is more of a concept <laughs> at the moment. Right. <laughs> so all of this can be an invitation to like new ways of understanding our emotions, new ways of returning to the present, new ways of like developing new patterns and habits but at the same time, we have to start with, of course, this is disruptive. Like, of course, we're going to be feeling all sorts of things. Um, it's like, it's, it's part 
of the process. It's part of the growth process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to this and you found yourself wondering, what is wrong with me? Am I the only one? <laughs> We're just sending out our beacon saying, no, mm -mm. there are lots of us who are having the same yeah, you... <laughs> weird, surreal feelings. And you have to start with, it's all okay. Yeah, 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 of course. It's all okay. Give yourself some compassion for what you're going through. See, I love it when you talk about uh, giving yourself compassion. I love it when, when you give language to that feeling of uh, those impulses that when we're hard on ourselves, I should, I should be... Uh, the number of people I've interacted with who feel like this is a, what a wonderful opportunity to be incredibly creative. Um, not really creative. And, and if that's you, well done. But also not the most creative vibes in the air right now, to say the least. Right. A little bit more of survival vibes. Yeah, yeah survival vibes. Um, so giving yourself this compassion, extending yourself this compassion for all the things whatever it is that you think you, you're supposed to do, there's some idealized self we often have somewhere up there in, our, in how our intellectual furniture is arranged. There's some self that's like the one that's super disciplined and super organized and efficient and would make incredibly good use of time. And that person, that, that person jumped ship a while ago. <laughs> Well, and the other thing I've noticed that is not helpful is to say other people have it so much worse than I do. I should be, be I should be doing better. Uh, like the comparison well is never helpful. It's yeah. it's it's different to be grateful. That's that's one thing to be yeah. to be grateful for for what you have and um it's different to be empathetic. Um, that's a really important impulse, compassion. Um, but when you use it as like a stick to beat yourself with. Um, right, right, right. Com like Comparing yourself right. to some person, you, some vague assemblance of a person out there who apparently has it way worse than you. So how dare you feel what you're feeling? Right. Yeah. You got to put that stick down. Yeah. Well, you can only start where you are. Like, I think that's one of the things this time can do for us as a teacher is to be kind of brutally honest about what is going on. Like, there's so many ways that we can numb and distract and hide but there's less of those right now yeah so um so i think the the step of like being honest about what you are feeling it's the only place to start right we've joked in our family about we finished netflix or i heard someone say they finished the internet uh-huh but like normal life what does that even mean by the way i know um, in the old world, I like talking about the old world, you're surrounded, we're surrounded by all of these devices and engagements that if we start 
to feel something that is uh, disruptive or unpleasant or angsty, um, we can reach for a device, push a button, and keep it at bay almost. Um, you, you, whatever you do, you do not have to, in the modern world, sit with it undistracted, just facing or listening to whatever it is. Because you can grab something, push a button, have something with lots of colors entertain you. Right. And, I mean, you and I have endlessly over the years have come back to Sabbath where you resist that impulse to numb and distract. You're actually training yourself to listen to it and to sit with it as awkward or painful. And obviously, like anything else, you can develop this like musculature. You can get better at this. Right. Um, and, and ask, what is the truth here? that wants to come up because a lot of times an emotion is an indication that there's a truth that wants to be seen, worked with. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an invitation to, to transcend, to include, to grow. It's a, the emotion is the first thing that comes up and, um, Oftentimes it's one of those anxiety, anger, sadness. It's those emotions we don't like to feel. Yeah. Um, but what we've learned over time is that if you do go into it, there's such gift there. Yes. I always say follow it back to its cave. You, you don't reach for your phone to scroll some more, but you sit in the quiet, or pen and paper, you and I are both fans of pen and paper, actually writing it, and you let it come up, that fear, that repulsion, that dislike, um, that pain, you just let it come up and you follow it. Because these things haunt us. They're like monsters, and so we just keep them at bay. But then when you let it come up and you let it, give expression. And then I like to follow it back to its cave, find it, find its, where does it reside? Where does it come from? Where does it sleep? And you discover, oh, uh, I don't like this because my life may, um, I may have failed. My life may not have, I may have not lived to my potential. I may be losing a year here of normal, right? That feeling, I'm getting older, like the existential, what if a whole year is just gone? Right. But what's interesting is that whether you look at it or whether you don't, it's still there. Right. And so if you don't look at it, it has power over you. And oftentimes when you do follow it back to its cave or, or take a look at the monster under the bed, it's actually not as scary as you thought it was yeah. and can be like worked with whatever Absolutely. it is. Um, Converted into something. Right. Uh, this uh, makes me think of how, uh, of prayer, because for many people, classical conceptions of prayer no longer work. You're asking somebody somewhere else for something who may or may not give it to you. And what do you have to do? As opposed to prayer as naming what's in your heart 
prayer as discovery, prayer as exploration, prayer as expression of the deepest, darkest impulses that lurk within you. Uh, so prayer becomes this healthy, like, exhuming, exhuming of whatever's lurking in you. You so how say would you... it, you name it, you vomit it up, and you're healthier, you're more whole. You can actually see it now, because when it's down in there, you can't see it. So can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for you? Yeah. All the things right now we can't do. Um, I'll go sit on all the, the feeling like, oh, that feeling like what is a life you and I talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that feeling like, oh, when this thing goes back to, when we go, when we go, when this is over and we go back to, well, we're not going back to normal. So we all know we're going forward into something new. So that alone is like, mm-hmm. um, and then what is a life and, um, have I done a, even like that really, really elemental, like I'm trying to think of how to say it. Have I done a good job? Did I live up to what I could have done? Have I wasted years? Um, you know what I mean? Those, yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to give it its most visceral naming, a feeling like you had this tremendous opportunity and you missed it. And now... 2020 might be the year from now on that we talk about like remember when everything just sort of stopped but then we did everything on zoom you know what I mean and we had drive-by birthday parties and um you didn't really go anywhere right we stopped stopped buying things yeah (laughs) so um I like to sit with that feeling if you follow it back to its cave, what you get to is, um, oh, wow, I feel like it's like a lightning bolt of, it's like an electrical charge for me of emotion, the fleeting temporal nature of life. We're here and then we're gone. Mm-hmm. Which every spiritual tradition almost begins with making peace with. Um, and you think about like sand the raking of the sand, sand sculptures that each day then are raked um, Mm -hmm. in certain traditions just to remind you. And the act of raking the sand after there's been a design in it, just to remind you. Right. I remember those monks who um, every year would come to that, that church and they would do like the really intricate sand mandala and they would work on it for like... Where was that? That was in Laguna. Oh, yes. Remember that? And then they did all, all that different colored sand. Right. Incredibly intricate mandalas and designs. Right. And you could go and like sit and meditate while they were working on it. It was very like peaceful. And, and then? And then at the end, they would take it down to the ocean. This beautiful work of art that they had spent all week, um, all day working on. And they would throw it into the ocean as a reminder of the impermanence of life. And then they'd leave. Yes. And all the design and the beautiful intricacy of the pattern was about the experience. It wasn't about creating something that then had some purpose. Right. It was about the experience. So I will 
be having feeling those feels. Mm-hmm. I'll like go sit on the patio with no way, no way to to distract myself and just sit with it, just follow it. And and it doesn't take that long to get to like almost like foundation or bedrock. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's do you do experience. it with pen and paper? Not really during this. No, I probably a couple of years ago maybe would have, but um, I also that could subtly become. Oh, look at these interesting insights I'm having. Maybe that'll be a Robcast. Oh, I see. So even for for part of it for me is even not immediately converting it into my work. Right. Just oh, I have these people that I love more than I can even put in words, and we're all in our house. We've been in our house for a quarter of a year now. <laughs> with this altered state of being um, and nothing, ju- just feeling it all. And then it's almost like you work your way back. It's almost like you dive down and then you work your way back up to the surface of the water. So there's today. Who knows what 2021 is? Who knows what later 2020 is? We're here today. This is what is happening. And so for you, that you would label that prayer. There's, um, or I mean, label isn't a good word, but like, I'm saying that it's a way of describing prayer. Yeah, it's like an outpouring of your insides. It's like you're offering them up, and and that language to who? I, I, um, that's not the driving thing to me. The the act of offering up whatever is deepest within you, especially angst, fear, anxiety, that act of not keeping it down in there. And I like offering it up because it has a very visual spatial element. Um, You pay attention to what's happening within you and then you let it out. And not only do you often see it in a different way, but then it's not trapped in there. But it's you are acknowledging body. in that act that there's something greater than you. Yes. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some larger flow of life, and I want to participate in it. And I'm taking all of this and my experience of this, and I'm. Uh, it's almost like a gesture of acknowledging all this weirdness of this moment is somehow all part of it. It's all part of me becoming me, you becoming you, us becoming us. Um, and then, I mean, I mean, it's often called unitive consciousness, there is good and bad. There is life and death. There is pain and there is joy. There are people dying and it breaks our hearts. And there are moments of unmitigated joy with those that we love. But those categories are both real and important. And then there is also the forces of life that surge through all of it that move you into spaces beyond that. You begin to see all of it as part of this experience that we're having. And that connects you in some and integrates you in some new way. That's how I'd say it. Wow. How's that? Good Lord. I know. I know. Wow. What in the world? <laughs> Light a candle. <laughs> Ring a bell. There we go. Right. Rob Bell. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, you and I were talking about this episode and, and people that we've interacted with. And I've, I've noticed a number of people when you take all the stuff you're feeling, just say, yeah, that's all, that's all part of it. That's a weird phrase to say. The number of people I've said, yeah, it's all sort of part of it. People never go, what do you mean? 
or argue or push back. I've noticed how many people um, almost feel what that somehow at some deep level. Yeah, and if I could get really practical now, I feel like what I do is I sometimes have to come to ter- just just have to come to terms with what I can't control. Like, and I feel uh, like yeah. I'm in like a wrestling match with these things that I can't control and sometimes sitting. Um, and I guess I've never thought about it as prayer, but it is a type of prayer, especially when you look at some of the, the Psalms with David, you see how he's wrestling with God. I feel that way a lot, just with how I wrestle with what I can't control. And then in the end, I offer it up. It's yeah. like a process. Yeah. Of what can I control and what can I not control? And you gotta fight. You gotta throw some punches. Yeah. You gotta like. Uh, you gotta get it all out, which means no, I don't like this. I refuse to accept this. Um, acceptance comes after you've acknowledged all the ways you refuse to accept it. Right, and surrender it's, comes of what actually. After- and sometimes when you engage in the process, you realize there are things that you can do. Like this isn't just like a. I'm at peace with all that is. It's a, no, this is like, this is like an earthy, like kind of, like you talk about the dirt and the sweat and the blood, like our experience on earth has like a, um, it has a wrestling element in it where we figure out what we can control and what we can do. And then what is, kind of wasted energy yeah um yeah what we just have to surrender because what option do we have yeah and so we're always going through that process i think of figuring out what we can control and can't control and um to also get very practical on that one thing i just shared with a friend is that Um, one thing that's been really helpful to me as my anxiety has come up and being in this house, um, is cleaning. It's so, I know it's funny, but like there's, it's such a great, I love it. it's been such a great energy outlet for me. It's like that anxiety is an energy. Uh, it comes up and it's like this kind of frantic, like, I feel like I'm out of control. I feel like life's out of control. I don't know what to do. Honestly, sometimes if I just focus it into physical physical activity, like cleaning or taking a walk, um, I feel so much better on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting what you said about the surrender and fighting it properly. It's probably a month into this whole thing. I was out walking, um, because of that, like, just go out and start moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was listening to music, Brian Eno's song, Ascent and Ending, correct? Greatest, my favorite song ever. And um, realized how much I love doing the live shows. I just love it. It's like one of my favorite things in the world to do. And I don't know when the next tour, the next shows will be. Mm-hmm. And... I'm like walking down the sidewalk and I'm tearing up at how much I love it. That's like what's running through me. I love a live audience 
and I was doing a show so much. And I had all these, you know, these new ideas for a new kind of show that I was about to start trying out. Um, but like I had to like give full expression to how much I love it. And I have no idea when the next ones are going to be. And like, it could be a year. It could be a year and a half. It could be way long. I had to like, you know what I mean? I had to like anatomy of an impulse. I had to like name every last bit of it. I don't know. And I got new stuff I wanted to try. Um, but I literally, there was literally like a, it, it, it was such a, a, an intense feeling of love and devotion to this craft and all the people that I get to talk to and be with in a room. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but it was like a surrendering thing, but I first had to like fight it. Right. And name every square inch of my resistance to this idea that I don't know when next one and then I was literally thinking about the first show in the new world and like the whole show will probably just me being going I'm so glad to be with you guys <laughs> isn't this so great I'm so glad to be with you guys 10 minutes later by the way I just want to say how much fun I'm having I'm so glad that we're together right right I'll be saying it through a mask hello I'm just so glad that we're being together um but this is like following it back to its cave you just go all the way you just follow it all the way. And we have so many ways to not have to follow it all the way back. Right. There's so many ways we can get so off the off path. So many off-ramps. Yeah, right. so many ways we can distract. A little or... stimulation, a little hit, a little thing. Right. Yeah. So every person out there who's listening, who's having some of this stuff... There is a freedom and a lightness when you follow it all the way back to its cave. Right. Well, even I mean, if it's terrifying and you hate it, it's worth it. It's a it's a feeling of a new beginning, I think, yeah. when you get to the other side of that. And it's actually where you can have clear thinking. It's very hard to have clear thinking when you have all of these emotions running around that are looking for some airtime. <laughs> oh, Kristen Bell, Kitty of Bob and Kitty fame. All these emotions that are looking for airtime. Yeah. Because you're using so much energy to like distract and push away and, yeah. and stay focused on what you want to accomplish. Um, but there's a different kind of clarity that comes when you can get to the other side of all of those emotions and find that like peaceful, um, centered place in you. Um, like some people would call it your heart, but like to be in your heart, you kind of, you have to, you have to like get all the other stuff out of the way Mm -hmm. so that you can reside right there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where, clarity comes and that's where inspired action comes and that's where um just that i i think that's where the feeling of like this is a life comes from yeah when you're making when you're creating your life from that place 
of clarity, when you're staying true to who you are and your values and um, even being clear about what you want moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's one of the strange, I'm not going to say gifts. One of the experiences so many people are having is the numbing devices. Oh, uh, yeah. They, they become quite obvious, don't they? They become obvious, and so many of them aren't working Yeah, like they used to work in the old world. Right. Yeah. Well, there's somebody competent in control, so it'll all work itself out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, there's just so much stuff to, to watch, to entertain. Well, I've seen a good chunk of it. Or, um, well, well, this is just, this will be just three more weeks. You just have in your head a time thing. Just another month and then we're good. Like so many of the numbing. Or where are we going next? <laughs> where are we traveling next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> or what are we going to buy? Why? Because then it would be here in the house. It would be more stuff. We don't need it. Oh, man. Uh, where do you want to go next? Because I got a couple things at the end. Right. Are you going to talk about the upside downness? I was going to talk about feeling the feels and antennas. Okay. Because I was talking to a friend. Shout out to Chris. Um, and we were talking about the sine waves of this experience that we're all having and how you never know on, one, on a day. Um, you're going to wake up. And, and it's going to feel like, hey, all right, um, we're going to make it. New opportunities. We're okay. All together. And then you're going to wake up and be like claustrophobia, cramped. I don't know how much longer paranoid. I can do this. Yeah. Right. Um, and how those, um, those swings, even just, just old school mood swings, you can't quite... Um, what's going on with it? Like, what's wrong with me? What's going on in me? But I mean, we have tens of, like in America here, tens of millions of people filing for unemployment. That's serious financial stress and transition and loss, like just, just basic loss. And if you're in a space and other people, people in that space are going through tremendous loss. How is that loss not going to be in the air in that space? How are you not going to pick up on that? You'd have to have shut down so much of what it means to be a person to not pick up. Uh, it's like that feeling when you, when, when you run into somebody you haven't seen in a while and instantly you're like, something's up. You just know. And then you find out that, and that, are you doing okay? And then they tell you and you're like, of course I could feel it. You know right, I mean? right. And let alone re reading the news. I mean, we're just ingesting a lot of information about, oh. about suffering in the world. Right, 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 right. And what has been unbelievably helpful to me, and, and when Chris and I were talking about it, it became so clear, is all of the times that I'm saying, what is going on with me? What <laughs> I am like all over the place. Who knows if I'm just feeling the, the feel in the air? Right. Um, because there is a collective unconscious. There is a bond. We're, we're all cells in the same, but there's one body and we're all so cells. So one in it. more reason to give yourself grace. Yes. 
when you're feeling whatever you're feeling. If your antenna is even mildly turned on, you're going to be picking up signals. Even if you think about a neighborhood, you wake, you're like, what is going on? I'm walking the dog, but I'm like, you, you're in, you just literally might be walking down the street picking up all the stuff that's in your neighborhoods, all the stuff that's in your apartment building, all the stuff that's in your country. Grief, loss, anxiety, pain, terror about the future. And it's especially for Americans who have been so obsessed and sort of marinated in individual rights and so profoundly immature when it comes to the collective unconsciousness, that, uh, unconscious, that we're all part of something. Um, I mean, the, the entire consumer ideology is so rigged for the individual. You're, you, you are here and you consume. Um, but that we're actually this web that we are all inextricably interconnected with each other. Um, yeah, you're feeling, who, you, yeah, you're feeling your brothers and sisters your fellow humans, your neighbors, you're, you're feeling the thing. Um, and obviously over history, I mean, tribes and the ways that people organize themselves, whole tribes would have a vision together and see the same thing. Um, you know what I mean? Like the condition, how do, how do we feel was the first question, not how do I feel? Um, so at other times in history, even the idea of an individual set of emotion was like a bizarre idea because you're so endlessly connected with those around you. And that, to me, just creates this way to think about the daily swing that is incredibly helpful. Yeah, I do think all of this is showing us how interconnected we are, which, yeah. which as Americans, we haven't wanted to see. Um, because it's it's painful it, it it just it it feels easier just to be like oh i'm i'm i just care about myself i don't have to care about everybody else's problems but in this thing especially like if we don't figure out how to work together like this virus is going to be around for a long time yeah um yeah and that's that's just really discouraging to me a lot, but I also see how it's illustrating our interconnectedness in a way that's never happened before. Um, or even, you know, I've said this before, but healthcare, like, like I was just going to say, we're all connected. Like if one person's sick, especially with Corona, like if one person has coronavirus, it affects the whole organism. Like we have, we have to, ha there has to be healthcare for everyone. Like it, there's just no other way forward yeah. um, because it's inevitable. Like right now, if somebody doesn't have insurance and they have coronavirus, they need to go to the hospital. Like, you right. know, if they're, if they're at right. that level of sickness, right, right, right. Um, there's just no, it's just funny to me how things that seemed inconceivable, like we need to get everybody healthcare, it's actually a necessity right now. Yeah, it's a leap of consciousness that downstream becomes a policy. But you first become aware of what it means to be a human being, all cells in the same body. And then how we arrange ourselves and the practicality of policies flows from that. And you can see the absurdity of 
thinking that it's any other way than how it actually is, which is one person gets it, and it instantly is a systemic issue. It's just very straightforward. Yeah. So, I mean, like you've said, well, I already know what you've said about the telescope, but like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should talk about that, huh? Yeah. Um, sometimes things happen in our shared experience of life that change everything. And it's hard to see it when you're in the midst of it. Or we try. Like, we're yeah. trying to see, like, what is this... How is this reshaping things? Yeah. Even with the protests, we're like, how... We're so ready for a reshaping. Right. Um, but how... We don't know how it's going to reshape until we look back. Right, um, right. But I... but. Go with the telescope. Oh, I've you know I've been talking about this telescope for a while. Yeah, because uh, human beings discovered a number of years ago you can take sand and make glass, which was amazing. Mind-blowing idea. Then some people discovered that you could take glass, take two lenses of glass, put them in a metal tube, and you could make a telescope and see things at a greater distance with greater clarity than people had ever seen before. First patent for the telescope was 1608 by a Dutchman named Hans. Um, now, a number of scientists prior to the invention of the telescope had begun to make a number of very groundbreaking observations about the nature of our solar system. But it was Galileo who got a hold of a telescope and by 1610, wrote a book called The Starry Messenger, in which he laid out all these new discoveries that scientists had been on, but he in many ways popularized them. Among them, what we knew from telescopes and from other sorts of math was that the Earth was not the center of the solar system. The sun is the center of the solar system. And this... Well, let's back up because this was revolutionary for a number of reasons. But uh, prior to this discovery, the dominant worldview was called the great chain of being. So the average person on the street, what, 1300s? How does the whole world work? Well, the earth is the center and then everything sort of moves around the earth and then earth works a particular way. And essentially you have God and then the heavens and then below God you have angels and then below angels, humans, then below humans, animals, then below animals, plants, and below plants, what they called minerals. So this was like a whole way that people understood that the world functioned. And um, what you and I talked about is what was really important is this, there was a sense of scale and proportion between each of these layers and levels. You know what I mean? A nice symmetrical, like everything's arranged in a particular way. And then you had classifications in the great chain of being, this whole way of viewing the world with this earth in the center. Uh, so like angels, there were classifications of angels, seraphim, cherubim. Um, with people, you had these levels within that category. So you had a kings and queens, and then you had lords, knights, and then you had merchant class, and you had peasants, and at the bottom, you had slaves. In the home, the man uh, was at the top, and then woman and then kids, like everything had its proper place in this hierarchical view of reality. 
And it always strikes me like the comfort that that brought. You know what I mean? It's like in a way of arranging one, but it also has like a feeling to it of structure and order. So um, obviously, as people saw it, God has ordained this particular arrangement. So if you were to rebel against the king, well, the king is the king, and the king is on top because God put the king on top. So to rebel against the king would be to rebel against God, which would be to rebel against the very nature of reality. And then you had institutions like the church, which enforced and affirmed this arrangement of the universe. But then uh, scientists begin to discover that the earth isn't the center. And then people begin to put two lenses of glass into a metal tube and make these observations about the solar system and discover that it's actually a heliocentric universe with the sun in the center. And what this scientific discovery did was call into question this entire worldview. And you think about, this is what, Galileo's 1610, by mid-1700s, you have a movement around the world to abolish slavery. Um, you have the invention of what we would call the scientific method. Uh, you have the French Revolution. You have um, democracies. Um, what's 1776? You have the American democratic experience experiment. So what actually happened there, 1600s, 1700s-ish, was a massive, massive upheaval. And the world as it was arranged crumbled and faded. And in many ways, you could say a whole new way of ordering reality emerged, which we've been living in for roughly 500 years-ish, 400 years-ish. But, but what you and I have been talking about is what would it have been like? Um, you're told that there is this hierarchy. You're told that this is how reality is. And then you get a hold of Galileo's book. You know what I mean? Right. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. Like even think about how your intellectual furniture was arranged. Like, yeah, everything revolves around the earth. And didn't um, you also say that he no. was under house arrest for the rest of his life? Oh, the Inquisition... When Galileo was public about what about facts, they called these dangerous ideas, and he lived under house arrest at the end of his life. I mean, the Inquisition went after, the Inquisitor went after him on behalf of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church actively fought against facts because they had a vested interest in the old arrangement. Yeah, I mean, this was they fought for their position of power and violent French Revolution, violent this upheaval. Um, but I've, especially the past couple of months, what the heart, the soul, the psyche, spirit, what was it like to have the way? Because with the Earth at the center, central to that was a largeness. Human beings are large. Like, look at us. We're on this floating blue ball that is at the center of things. And then to find out that the center of things is actually just a planet hurtling through space at 67,000 miles an hour. And even you had this awareness that the orbits of the planets aren't even even circles. They're more like ovals. What? 
What happened to the scale, the proportion, the order of things? And on and on it went with the crumbling of one order and the arising of a new order. So you think about the disequilibrium, the disorientation, the like, wait, 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 this is how things work. No, they don't work that way. And of course, the question is, are we living in one of those moments? Are we living in one of those moments? Education, economics, government, uh, religion, <laughs> you can get on the list. Right. Are we living in one of those moments? Right. Where everything gets turned upside down. Yeah. And gets reordered on yeah. the other side. Yeah. And yeah. in that process, I mean, based on looking at the past, there's going to be there's going to be a lot of forces at work. Right, right, right. And what I keep thinking about, especially the past couple of weeks, is uh, we have massive upheaval with protests about brutality, violence, racism, um, the competency of government, um, pandemics, um, instability of the economy, and it just feels so big. But this actually might be tip of the iceberg. Right. This might be the disintegration. <laughs> yes. That this, has to happen yes. before the reordering. Right. And that everything that feels like right now, like how many more things could happen, could be going on right now. Right. Actually, this might be the front edge. Right. These might be might be the front, the front the the first events of a of a something that will make all of this look small. A reordering, a rethinking. Right. So let's let's go back to the personal. Like if you're if you're like getting up every day, or <laughs> even if you're not, like I love it. you're surviving this. Like <laughs> yes. if you need to drive down the street singing Christmas carols, like oh. however you need to get through this, like we're in the storm. Yes. We're in the storm. So whatever, <laughs> whatever you need to do to stay sane and hopeful and um that's so good and and returning to your center whatever you need to do to take care of yourself like be as kind to yourself as you possibly can oh, yeah that's because so good. there's lots that we can't control right now but a little tiny piece that we can control is our own existence, like how we move through the world. Like we have a little bit of control over that. Yeah. 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 Of course you're feeling how you're feeling. And of course we all have a bit more control over ourselves than we probably are aware of in the midst of this awareness of all the things that are beyond us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So find those things that make you happy or make you laugh or find ways to just be weird <laughs> because who cares? <laughs> right? There's all sorts of rules that don't exist anymore. So just do it, be it, try it. Get a new playlist. 
<laughs> and I love how um, what you were saying to a to a friend of ours. I heard you recently about being hyper aware of how you talk to yourself. I love it when you talk about that, about yeah. self talk. Right. Well, if you just even want to be logical about it, harsh self talk doesn't do anything. Doesn't get you anywhere. It doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. It's funny how we think it does. We. Fu- it's funny how we think if we're like the mean coach to ourselves, <laughs> like it's going to motivate right, us. Right. But right. the problem is it's it, it's very short lived, and then you feel yeah. worse about yourself than when you started because you start to believe the things you're telling yourself. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But inspiration comes from a different source. Yeah. Um, inspiration comes from kindness, grace, understanding, um, looking at the big picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so be kind to yourself. Be really especially uniquely kind to yourself right now. Yeah, and just uh-huh. on a little side note, it's there's a lot of anger and um finger pointing. It it it's interesting that it's it feels like it's erupting. Um and again, I don't I don't know the reasons. It, there's probably lots of reasons, but the only answer to that is is the kindness, is the grace, is yeah. the yeah. Um, compassion. Yeah. Um, because you can feel, you can like feed it, or you can diffuse it. So well said. That's so well said. Wow. Well, I, I think know. we're at the end. I know we are. Yeah, I'm telling you, I love so many things that you said. We're, I was like, that's... that's well, thank, well you to, thank you to the guy in the white Prius <laughs> for inspiring, <laughs> inspiring uh, some thoughts that we wanted to share. I know. That, I feel like Carol's is going to have to go in the title somewhere. Or maybe Christmas in June or... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh... Uh, as the guy drove away, as he drove by, I'll never forget you being like, well, isn't that just how we all feel? And I was like, oh, that's just so perfectly said. Just completely like we've just lost it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. This has been Robcast 283. Grace and peace, everyone.